going to uh, begin this morning with a reading of James chapter 2, James chapter 2, beginning in verse number 14. James chapter 2, beginning, beginning in verse number 14. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. This morning, I want to look at the topic of faith and works. By the reading, it's pretty clear that faith only, faith alone is not enough according to God's Word. But I want us to expound on that a little bit more. And the first thing that we want to say this morning is we want to talk about absolutely essential faith. The Bible is clear that faith is absolutely essential. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it is faith that offers us hope. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Galatians 2, verse 16, very similar passage, says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Where, where must we put all of our faith? Well, who must we put all of our faith in? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5 says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we should put all of our faith in God. Galatians 3 verse 26 tells us that we must do that when it says, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Another word for faith in the general, most basic sense of the word is belief. And we can look at a few verses on that as well. 
So uh, John 3, verse 16, often called the golden verse of the Bible because uh, it's so well known and such an important verse. The concept of the verse is so tremendous and the truth is so plain and many of us know it by heart. We probably have it memorized. John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe, faith. John 3, verse 36, a little later in the chapter, not, not quite as familiar to us perhaps, but it's still very important, it teaches a very important concept. John 3, verse 36 says, He who believes in the, Son of, in the Son, that is the Son of God, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God abides on him who does not believe. It remains on him. And so that tells us that because of sin, and all of us have sinned, and if we are of accountable age, we deserve the penalty for our sins. And therefore, uh, until we come to Christ, we put all our faith in him, and we do what he said, we obey his gospel. If we haven't done that, then the wrath of God does what? It abides on us. And so it's extremely important that we put all of our faith in Christ Jesus. That way we will not have the wrath of God. John 6, verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, verse 35. But I want us to go back in John for just a moment. And this is from John 1, verse 12. From the beginning of the book of John almost, we find this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You go to the end of the book of John almost. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may what? that you may believe on Christ, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, speaking to Christians, by the way, and that's important. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, speaking to Christians who already had believed on Christ, had already confessed him, by the way, as well, and had already obeyed his gospel as well, but in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, we're reminded that this is a continual thing as, as it pertains to believing on and continuing to confess Christ. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A couple more. Acts 16, verse number 31 says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved you and your household. Who is being spoken to there? The Philippian jailer. Remember, right before that, he had said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he is told, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then some preaching is done to him, and we find out the rest of the story. What else was he told to do? Well, he was told to be baptized in the name of Christ as well. And finally, Romans 5, verse 13 Romans, uh, Romans 15, verse 13, 
says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in, in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All joy and peace being made at peace with God again in believing. Believing is obviously very important. Faith is important. We have to place all of our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to think about this, though. And it is that, unfortunately, there's something that a lot of people don't understand about faith, about placing all of one's belief in Jesus Christ. What is it that many, unfortunately, do not understand about that? And it is what we already said a little bit earlier in the introduction. Faith alone is not enough. Faith alone is not enough. And the only place that you will see the words faith only in your Bible is in James chapter 2 that we read earlier. And it said not by faith only. So we'll talk about that in our next point. I want us to think about, and I tried my best to make a graphic for this and was going to put it on the screen Let's just say I'm not very artistic, but I want you to use your mind's eye, if you will, and think about this. Picture an umbrella, and on this umbrella, you've got the word faith, and underneath this umbrella of faith, if you will, the faith, placing all of our faith in Jesus Christ, underneath that, you've got all the other essential things that we read about in God's Word. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who don't understand faith that way. And they think of faith in that most basic, essential uh, definition. And it is an important definition of faith, and it is belief. But you've got to look at faith as it pertains to that grand theme of faith with everything else underneath it that should fall in line if you have faith. And so I want you to think about it this way. And I want us to realize that Paul talks about at the beginning and the end of his letter to the Romans, Romans 1 verse 5 and Romans 16 verse 26, he talks about a concept called the obedience of the faith. The obedience of the faith. A lot of times people will go to the book of Romans and incorrectly they will try to teach faith only. And Paul begins and ends that particular epistle with the concept of the obedience of the faith. So think about that. Romans uh, 1 verse 17 also, Paul writes that for in it, that is the gospel, the faith, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. That's quoting from Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Righteousness, standing justified before God, is revealed from faith to faith, by faith. If we have faith in God, we'll do what he says. And it's as simple as that. Uh, the, the faith, the just shall live by faith. Uh, the righteousness, righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith based on his gospel, based on the faith. And so that is a very, very important concept. Whether one was saved in the Old Testament or the New Testament, he must have faith in God, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ that will ultimately save him. Faith is what saves, and one enacts his faith through his obedience to God, through his obedience to the gospel, and 
Hebrews chapter 11 describes the faithful by obedience. Hebrews 10 verse 39 talks about those who are saved. And it says that, uh, Hebrews 10 verse 39, it talks about those who have believed to the saving of the soul. What kind of believing results in the saving of the soul? Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, on and on and on it describes those who acted according to their faith. I want us to listen to the words of Paul about the righteousness that was imputed to Abraham according to Romans 4 verse 9. I want us to actually read uh, Romans 4 verses 19 through 25. So go with me to Romans for just a moment and we'll read verses 19 through 25. We're talking about the righteousness that was imputed to Abraham. And beginning in verse number 19, we read this. And not being weak in faith, not being weak in faith, Abraham, it says, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb as well. What was going on there? He was going to receive the son of promise. God says, I'm going to give you a son and through this son and his descendants, there's going to be uh, this blessing for all mankind because ultimately the Messiah would come through the descendants of Abraham. And Abraham believed that. He had faith in that. He was advanced in age, but he still believed that God was going to do what he said. He was going to give him this son in his and Sarah's advanced age. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. There's a good definition for faith. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham's in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, he believed those things. By faith, Abraham went up onto Mount Moriah, and God says, hey, sacrifice this son, the one that I promised to you, the one that these descendants are going to come, and ultimately the Messiah is going to come through him. Sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Abraham says, okay, let's go. And early in the morning, he and Isaac went up on that mountain. And you remember the story. You remember how Isaac even asked him, well, I see we've got the things for the offering, but where's the lamb? You remember what Abraham said? God will provide the sacrifice. And Abraham believed God so much that he had the dagger ready. And of course, we know the rest of the story. The angel stopped him. He passed the test with flying colors. Abraham had faith in God. Abraham believed that, that God was actually going to raise him from the dead and had the power to do so, according to Hebrews chapter 11. And don't miss that type, by the way, because who did God give? His only begotten son. And what did God do? He did sacrifice him and he rose him from the dead. Abraham believed in God. He was fully convinced. Verse number uh, 23 here in Romans 4, it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, 
who was delivered up because our offenses and was raised because of our justification. We must be justified by and through the blood of Jesus Christ. If one properly understands that the faith, the gospel, the belief in God and everything that pertains to what he did for us, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf, sending his only begotten son, his precious blood being shed on our behalf. If we understand all of that as the faith, the faith that we must contend for, Jude 3, earnestly, if we understand that and we picture that umbrella and then everything else that falls underneath it, we won't have any problem at all understanding this discussion today. Faith and works. We won't have any problem with that because we understand what those words mean. We'll understand that there are things required of us, such as repentance, such as confession, such as being baptized into Christ. I want to pause and ask a thought question at this point, and it comes from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and following. Do you remember the rich young ruler? What was he lacking? The rich young ruler He comes to Jesus. He wants to know what he needs to do to have eternal life. He calls him good teacher. And as a side note, Jesus essentially says, you realize I'm good? You realize that I'm deity? And he asks this question, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus tells him to keep the commandments. Jesus starts listing those commandments for him. The rich young ruler interrupts him and says, All these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? You know what Jesus told him? Jesus told him to rid himself of his God, his idol. Go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and then you can come and be my disciple. What did that rich young man do? He went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. What was lacking in the rich young ruler? He didn't have faith. He was good at checking the boxes. He was good at uh, keeping this, 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 and this because those things evidently weren't too hard for him. But when it came to getting rid of that, that idol in his life, he had a hard time with that. He didn't have faith. Let's talk about, we've talked about the absolute essential nature of faith. Let's talk about the absolute essential nature of works, properly defined. Can we earn our salvation? Works of righteousness to earn our salvation, can we do that? No way. Nothing we can do will allow us to earn our salvation through works of merit. But a man who refuses to live by faith, which means a lifestyle of living the way God said, which will include, by the way, some good works. A man who refuses to live the way that God says according to his word, guess what? He doesn't have faith. And so let's talk about the essential nature of these works, the works of God, works of obedience that prove that we have faith. Again, we go back to James chapter 2 where we started. James says that a man shows his faith by works. 
Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. What's that talking about? Works of merit. We, we don't deserve what Jesus did for us. I, I've said it before. I don't deserve a drop or an ounce of the blood of Jesus Christ. And neither do you. Not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is similar to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 that we read earlier. For by grace that you have been saved by faith. Galatians 2, 16, which we talked about earlier that teaches the same. So not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Translation, we don't earn salvation. We don't deserve it. And yet, in the very same book, and even in the same chapter, Titus chapter 3, go there if you'd like, and I want to point out, over and over again, we're going to see this. Titus chapter 3, good work, good works. Notice, Christians are to be ready for every good work. Titus 3 verse 1. Titus 3 verse 8. Those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Titus 3 verse 14. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Side note, what did Jesus say would happen to those who were unfruitful according to John chapter 15? Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and if you are a branch that's not bearing fruit, you will be cast forth as a branch, you will be withered, and they're only good for gathering and throwing into the fire. John chapter 15. So if we're going to bear fruit, that's going to include working for God. Not to the point that we earn it, because we don't. But still, he demands, he, oh, he, he commands our obedience, best effort. And so, unfortunately, when it comes to this topic, people go too far this direction or too far the other direction. And they don't balance this out properly. Titus chapter 2. You go one chapter back, verse number 14. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for what? Zealous for good works. Does God require us to be working for him? The answer is yes. Matthew 5 verse 16 could not be any clearer. Matthew 5 verse 16, Let your light so shine before men, the words of Jesus Christ himself, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, James 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. What is that? That's a false dichotomy. Okay, you've got the faith and I've got the works. James says, no. Show me your faith without your works. You can't do it. I'll show you my faith by my works. And that means I will show you I believe in God by the way that I live my life. I hope that this sermon has made sense this morning. I know that it's a lot to wrap our minds around, and these are extremely important concepts in God's Word. But I think 
although I could not accomplish the visual. I think if our mind's eye can understand it from this regard, faith, big picture, and everything underneath it falling perfectly in line, I think we will understand this properly and we'll live our lives as best we can in accordance with God's will. How can we be saved? By faith? Absolutely. Saved by faith. What does that mean? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. And so the Word of God has to act on us so that we can have faith. We're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 26. A person who has faith in God is fully convinced of God. We talked about that in Romans chapter 4. God will uh, save us, but He requires certain things of us. Uh, According to Luke 13, verse 3, and Acts 2, verse 38, and Acts 3, verse 19, and, and many other passages, God requires us to repent. According to Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, Acts 8, verse 37, God requires of us to confess our faith. According to Acts uh, 2, verse 38, Mark 16, verse 16, Acts 22, verse 16, Romans 6, verses 1 through 7, 1 Peter 3, 21, and many other verses, God also requires us to be baptized into Christ. And when we think about that overarching faith, all those things go right underneath it. And when we put all of our faith in God, we will gladly accept the fact that he said, hey, do this, believe and be baptized, and you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you'll be condemned, because if you don't have this faith, you won't do what he said to be saved. Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That coordinating conjunction four in between those two verses tells us that those things are equally important. They're required. Colossians 2, verse 12 talks about how we are buried with him, with Jesus, in baptism in which also we are raised with him through faith, through faith in the working, through faith in the working of whom? Of God. Buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him, with Jesus, through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 